This is Mr. Gleason here with your third podcast. This podcast is on friction and momentum and collisions. First thing we'll talk about is friction. First of all, you've got the definition for friction up in front of you. Force between materials that touch as they move past each other. So that it does require movement. Although, we have three types of friction, one of them being static. Static is a friction without movement. How does that work based on our definition? You're going to see that in just a minute when we get to the, next, the first example. Uh, second type you see is sliding. That should be pretty obvious where you just have um, two objects sliding past each other. And then rolling is a special type of static friction where the object, just like it says, is rolling. So let's look at the no movement example. So I have a surface with a box on it. Let's look at the net forces on this. There is a force of weight pulling down and there is the normal force pushing up equal and opposite. There are no others so that means the force of friction when an object is at rest with no other forces has to be zero because we must have a zero net force if this object is not moving and there's no acceleration. But let's say you start pulling an object, but it's not moving. So there's our box with the weight and normal force. Now, let's say you're pulling at a force of 25 newtons. If that box is not moving, the, norm the net force must be zero, which means there has to be a force in the opposite direction. And it should be obvious at this point that that was friction, and that force of friction is 25 newtons. So as you can see, we have a net force of zero because the force of friction cancels out the force that you'd apply by pulling or pushing on that object. So we do have a force of friction without movement. Well, that is your static friction. Most of the time we're going to deal with objects when they are moving. So let's look at an object moving. We'll give this object a velocity of 2 meters per second. I'm going to leave out the weight and the normal force because we already know those should cancel out. So if this object is moving at 2 meters per second, in your experience you know that to keep dragging something across the floor, you must keep applying a force and we'll use 20 newtons on this example but if we are moving at a constant velocity we know based on Newton's second law that if there is any net force there must be an acceleration well this object is moving at a constant velocity that mean, must mean that the 20 newtons gets cancelled out by a frictional force of 20 newtons Anytime you see constant velocity, remember the force must be zero for a zero acceleration. So forces must cancel out. But now we have an object that is accelerating. And we can look at two different examples here. If we have a non-constant velocity with non-constant, that must mean it's accelerating. 
And we should know by now that accelerating means you either speed up or slow down. And you can also change direction. So if we apply a force in this direction, a force of 30 newtons, and that frictional force is still 20 newtons from the previous example, then we can see we have a net force in the direction that we were pulling of 10 newtons, which would mean, again based on Newton's second law, that if we have a force, see here, if we have a force of 10 newtons, and we have whatever mass, we must have an acceleration right here. Let's look at another example. If we have the same object, and this time, again, the frictional force will be 20 newtons. Let's say this time you only pull it 10 newtons. then we can already see that our net force will be in the direction of the friction at 10 newtons. Does this mean the object is moving in that left direction? No. It could be slowing down in the right direction because that could be deceleration. Alright, so looking at this uh, diagram you see here, we're going to talk about specifically how we can measure the friction between two objects. Obviously we can measure the force just by using a force meter and seeing how much resistance there is because again at that constant velocity the forces must cancel. But we can find out that frictional force that we would expect by using the coefficient of friction coefficient of friction you can define in your book, uh, but I'll go ahead and give you a hint. It's basically the amount of friction or the interaction between two different objects. And the coefficient of friction depends on what two objects are being rubbed together. So you'll see examples of concrete and rubber coming up for examples of cars, but the frictional force between rubber and wood is different than the frictional force between rubber and concrete or rubber, rubber and blacktop or rubber and dirt. They all have different frictional forces or coefficients of friction. And in the equation in the diagram you can see I'm circling. This is the equation to find the coefficient of friction and the coefficient of friction is that fancy U. And the equation says this, that the frictional force is equal to the coefficient of friction multiplied by the normal force. And as long as we're on a flat surface, that normal force is equal to the weight. Since our frictional force and normal forces are measured in newtons, when we solve for the coefficient of friction, if we divide both sides by newtons, you'll see that the newtons cancel out, which means that the coefficient of friction has no unit. It is just a number. So let's look at an example. 
You have a student dragging a book across the table. We have constant speed. We have a force of 8 newtons. And we should know based on our previous examples that makes the frictional force 8 newtons. And of course the weight is 40 newtons. So if we use our equation that the frictional force is equal to the coefficient of friction times the normal force, then 8 newtons equals mu times 40 newtons. Do the algebra and you will find out that mu in this example is 0 0.20. Again, no units. A couple more examples. This time we'll talk about the cars. Assuming a car has a mass of 1,200 kilograms, what is the frictional force between the tires and the road? We're given the coefficient. Now, since we're given mass, we must find weight, which is the same as the normal force. So we're going to use 10 meters per second in this example. And you'll find out that the weight of that car is about 12,000 newtons. So I can go ahead and plug that in. We're looking for frictional force is equal to the coefficient of friction multiplied by the normal force, which again is going to be the same as the weight for most of our examples. And you can see that the frictional force is the same as the weight in this example. But now we have wet pavement in the second example, and we want to find the frictional force. So now we have a different coefficient of friction. Again, plug the numbers into the equation the same way we did before. And you will find out that the coefficient, or I'm sorry, the force of friction is 3,600 newtons instead of 1,200, 12,000 newtons. And that's why they tell you you need to slow down on wet pavement. All right, we're finished with friction. Now we'll talk about momentum. Momentum is a measure of inertia in motion. We should, should know inertia is a scientific word for mass. So in order to have momentum, we must have mass and motion or velocity. So there's our equation. In abbreviated terms, you have momentum is a fancy P, not a flat P like that, but we have a nice fancy curved P. And we have mass times velocity. Momentum is measured in kilogram meters per second because mass is measured in kilograms and velocity in meters per second. You make sure you convert units to where they need to be. So let's do a couple of examples. P equals mv. What is the momentum? Well, if the mass is 150 kilograms multiplied by 3 meters per second, you find that the momentum, the momentum is 450 kilogram meters per second. Now, if that football player is not moving, if he is at rest, he still has a mass of 150 kilograms, but his velocity is now zero meters per second, which means that his momentum 
is zero. Alright, here's another example. We'll compare the momentum of a couple of runners. One is a 100 kilogram runner at 4 meters per second. The other is a 200 kilogram runner. So I'll set up two equations here. First, the 100 kilogram runner at 4 meters per second has a momentum of 400 kilogram meters per second. The other one Just do the math, you'll find out. Again, they have the same momentum. Now the question is, who has more? I better make sure I actually answer it instead of just doing calculations. There's my answer. So for momentum, it's very linear. And you could have, if you have twice the mass and half the speed, ends up being the same momentum. So what happens if they collide? Well, with the same momentum, they're going to just collide and no one's going to go any faster than the other. You can word that however you want. I'm going to say that they collide and I'll say that they collide and have an equal effect on each other. Alright, so let's look at some collisions now, since we just started looking at that. In a collision, the total momentum must be conserved. In other words, the momentum in must equal the momentum out. So in a system, and we talked about a system, a system has to include everything being involved in that collision. So if we have a billiard ball colliding with another billiard ball, and they make their collision, then the momentum in must be the momentum equal to the momentum out. So if this ball, if these two balls have the same mass, then they must have the same speed going out. We can use that in momentum. We can use the momentum equation to solve that. Let's say that they have a speed of 2 meters per second. So at this point, the 12 ball has a momentum of 2. I should probably be using a different color. There you go. Alright, and the momentum of the 8 ball, since it's not moving, is 0. Well, after the collision, since this ball must be at rest, this ball must have a momentum of 2, which gives it a speed of 2 because it has the same mass. We're going to see some better examples coming up in just a second. Okay, so let's look at those billiard balls a little more closely. We're going to give them all masses of one kilogram each. And we're going to say that before the collision, that 
setting up a situation here for you that the 12 ball has a speed, again we'll use 2 meters per second, and the 8 ball has a speed of 0 meters per second. After the 12 ball is at rest, we're going to find out how fast the 8 ball is moving. Again, we know what to expect, but I'm going to show you using conservation of momentum equations. Well, it's pretty simple. For conservation of momentum, you're just looking for the sum of the momentums before and after. So, the momentum of the 12 ball at 2 meters per second is 1 kilogram times 2 meters per second. The 8 ball has a 1 kilogram times 0 meters per second. On the after side, the 12 ball has 1 kilogram times 0 meters per second. And the 8 ball has 1 kilogram times what we're trying to find. And they call that V, V2. I'll give you a full equation in a minute. So the momentum, just solve these. Over here on the left, that is a momentum of 2. I'm going to leave off units for simplicity. 0 here, 0 here. And if this is our before and after, the befores must equal the afters. Well, I'm sure you can do the math. 2 equals 2. So the velocity of the second ball afterwards must equal two kilogram or sorry two meters per second. Another example. First of all, let's put what we just said into an equation form. The mass of the first ball times the velocity of the first ball at the beginning plus the mass of the second ball times the velocity of the second ball at the beginning must be equal to the mass of the first ball times the velocity of the first ball after the collision plus mass of the second ball times the velocity of the second ball after the collision. Before must equal after. So if you use this equation to solve any conservation of momentum or any collision problem, you can solve it out very easily. So let's plug what we have in this problem into the equation. We have a 2,000 kilogram car moving at 2 meters per second, colliding with an identical railroad car, which means it's 2,000 kilograms at rest, zero meters per second. The first car after the collision or during the collision comes to a stop. And we want to find the speed of the second car. I'm running out of room here, so 2,000 kilograms times V2B. So let's start solving this out. I have 4,000 plus 
zero from over here equals zero plus two thousand times v two b. Let's do a little bit of algebra or a little bit of math. Divide both sides by two thousand. And you can see the velocity of the second car after the collision is going to be equal to 2,000. Now it's a velocity, I need to put a unit on there. We have meters per second. Now what happens if those cars collide and stick together? That's called a sticky collision. Let's do the example for that. This time the 2,000 kilogram car moving at two meters per second is colliding with the 2,000 kilogram car not moving. Now afterwards we only have one object because they've collided and they stuck together. So this time the total mass of the two cars combined is 4,000 kilograms and we want to find the velocity afterwards. Since we have a collision, we only have one object on the after side where we had two on the before side. So we can go ahead and solve this out just like before. 4,000 plus zero equals 4,000 multiplied by VB. And if we do just a little bit of math, You're going to find that the velocity after the collision of both cars combined is one meter per second, which kind of makes sense. If you double the mass, you should have half the velocity. All right, we have one more example for you, and we have two questions in this example. All right, so this example, we have Kirsty playing catch with Tiana, and they're throwing one kilogram balls back and forth between each other. So, the first question is asking about Kirsty. Let's look at that situation specifically. Now, she's throwing the ball, so when she starts, or when this situation starts, you have Kirsty and the ball are together. So, Kirsty plus the ball's mass is 61 kilograms and they're not moving at all when they when she first throws the ball so there's a mat or a velocity of zero after now there's one piece of information that I left out in this problem that the speed of the softball is being thrown or the ball being thrown is at 10 meters per second so Kirsty with her mass of 60 kilograms has some sort of velocity that we want to find and the ball has the velocity of 10 meters per second. If we solve this out, we have zero on this side equals 60 times V1B plus 10. Now how can you ask if, if, if it totals zero, we've got to find an answer for zero here. Well, 
do the math, if we subtract 10 from both sides, divide both sides by 60, we end up with that V1B equals negative 1.6 meters per second or 0.17 meters per second. Now it's negative. Well, the softball was thrown positive, which means forward, so that would make sense to me that the, that Kirsty should move backwards. You can try this out if you sit in a rolling chair and you hold a book in your hands and you throw the book to somebody else, a heavy book, then you should move backwards uh, a little bit as the book moves forwards. Alright, so Kirsty is moving backwards after throwing the ball forwards. Let's look at what happens to Tiana. Now we have... Alright, so in Tiana's situation, before the ball, or when the ball is moving through the air, it's a one kilogram ball, and we already said it's moving at 10 meters per second. And Tiana is not moving at all. After the situation, Tiana catches the ball, so their combined mass is 71 kilograms multiplied by whatever speed they have after the collision. Well, if we just solve for momentum, and do a little bit of math, you're going to find that Tiana plus the ball are going to have a combined speed of 0.14 meters per second. Notice that this speed is positive where Kirsty was moving at negative 0.17 meters per second. Tiana is moving at 0.14 meters per second positive. Well again think about it if you throw a ball your motion should be backwards and if you catch the ball your motion should be in the direction of the ball or forwards. That's it.